The following is the Women's Liberation Music Hour, presented by Phoenix on WLRN. I was born here, and I belong here, and I will never leave. The blue heron's gray smoke will flow over me for years, and the wind will decide all directions until I'm safely and entirely something else. I am thinking of this, this winter morning, as I sit by the fire, and the fire in its red rack keeps singing its crackling song of transformation. Of course, I wonder about the mystery that is surely up there in starry space. And how some part of me will go there at last. But I am talking now of the way the body speaks. And the wind that keeps saying firmly, lovingly, a little while and then this body will be stone then it will be water, then it will be air.
humbled. I'm without words, sufficient to say how it has been hard as flint and soft as a spring pond. Both of these and over and over and long pale afternoons besides. And so many mysteries, beautiful as eggs in a nest, still unhatched, though warm and watched over by something I have never seen, a tree angel, perhaps, or a ghost of holiness. Every day I walk out into the world to be dazzled, then to be reflective 
It suffices. It is all comfort, along with human love, dog love, water love, little serpent love, sunburst love, or love for that smallest of birds flying among the scarlet flowers. There's hardly time to think about stopping and lying down at last to the long afterlife, to the tenderness yet to come, when time will brim over the singular pond and become forever, and we will pretend to melt away into the leaves. As for death, I can't wait to be the hummingbird. Can you? Here is a story to break your heart. Are you willing? This winter, the loons came to our harbor and died one by one of nothing we could see. A friend told me of one on the shore that lifted its head and opened the elegant beak and cried out in the long, sweet savoring of its life which, if you have heard it, you know is a sacred thing, and for which, if you have not heard it, you had better hurry to where they still sing. And believe me, tell no one just where that is. The next morning, this loon, speckled and iridescent and with a plan to fly home to some hidden lake was dead on the shore. I tell you this to break your heart, by which I mean only that it break open and never close again to the rest of the world.
It is only a small mountain, as mountains go. Too stubby for any map. But still in my boots, I climbed and climbed until at last there was nothing but the blue sky and a single final pasture and a few not very tall trees. And from under these came running a fawn on its tumbly legs. The sound of its wanting falling from its pink pursed mouth. But I knew the rule, don't touch it or the doe might never come back. So what could I do? It almost reached me before I slung myself into a tree. And there I was, higher even than the mountain, perched for hours, while beauty held me tightly with the long lashes of its dark eyes and the delicate stamping hooves. Below me I could see and hear the tiny people calling my name in the far below fields. Even the great horse Jack was sniffing among the grasses. But I didn't move until the doe came back, angry and snorting, and she and the fawn tiptoed away. And so I was free. And there was nothing to do. And there is never anything to do after rapture but to swing down, bow after bow, to hurry down, field after field, through the pale twilight, to be greeted by the people who loved me far below.
don't know what the ravens are saying this morning of green tenderness and rain, but my, what a collection of squallings and cracklings and whistles made with the ruffling of throat feathers and the stretching of wings, nor is it any single speech, one to the rest, but clearly an octet since they are eight coal-black birds with dark brown eyes. I have been in this world just long enough to learn, not always easily to love, my neighbors and to allow them every possibility. Maybe the ravens are talking for some ultimate vicious but useful purpose, or maybe it's only directions to the next mountain, or maybe it's simple, silly joy. Hello, ravens, I say under their dark tree, and as if courtesy were of great importance, they turn, they clack, and spill their delicious glottals of no consequence but friendly and without the least judgment down and over me.
on cold evenings, my grandmother, with ownership of half her mind, the other half having flown back to Bohemia, spread newspapers over the porch floor. So, she said, the garden ants could crawl beneath, as under a blanket, and keep warm. And what shall I wish for for myself? But being so struck by the lightning of years, to be like her with what is left, that loving.
You are listening to WLRN. I know a bleeding heart plant that has thrived for 60 years, if not more, and has never missed a spring without rising and spreading itself into a glossy bush with many small red hearts dangling. Don't you think that deserves a little thought? The woman who planted it has been gone for a long time, and everyone who saw it in in that time has also died or moved away, or so, like so many stories, this one can't get finished properly. Most things that are important, have you noticed, lack a certain neatness. More delicious, anyway, is to remember my grandmother's pleasure when the dissolve of winter was over and the green knobs appeared and began to rise and to create their many hearts. One would say she was a simple woman, made happy by simple things. I think this was true, and more than once in my long life, I have wished to be her. In the black-shadowed pines, on the shore, beyond the pond, Al was sitting. When she saw me, her eyes flared like matches, and she did her big, loose hunch, stirring up the bronze of her shoulders, and hissed, and seemed about to fly away. Who knows why she didn't, but instead clamped her orange feet down on the black limb and stared into my face, though not my eyes. Had I been a mouse or squirrel, I would have cried for my life. And thus we stayed for a long time I would have given a great deal to have invoked some connection, eye to eye, to know what she thought of me. Here in the world, her world, her gauzy and furzy acres, sour, weedy, lush, mortal, But except for the hiss, she did not make the least sound, simply stared. As though if she wanted to be if she wanted to, she could lift me and carry me away. One orange knife for each shoulder and eye, aloft in the air, under her great wings, shouting, Praise, 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 as I cried for my life.
When I lived under the black oaks, I felt I was made of leaves. When I lived by Little Sister Pond, I dreamed I was the feather of the blue heron left on the shore. I was the pond lily, my root delicate as an artery, my face like a star, my happiness brimming. Later, I was the footsteps that follow the sea. I knew the tides, I knew the ingredients of the rack, I knew the eider, the red-throated loon, with her uplifted beak and her smart eye. I felt I was the tip of the wave, the pearl of water on the eider's glossy back. No, there's no escaping, nor would I want to escape this outgo, this foot loosening, this solution to gravity and a single shape. Now I am here, later I will be there. I will be that small cloud staring down at the water, the one that stalls, that lifts its white legs, that looks like a lamb.
I stopped the car and ran back and across the road and picked up the box turtle, who only hissed and withdrew herself into her pretty shell. Well, goodness, it was early in the morning, not too much traffic. Rather an adventure than a risk. And anyway, who wouldn't give aid to such a shy citizen? Who wouldn't complete the journey for it, taking it, of course, in the direction of its desire, a pine woods, where, as I learned, the blueberries ripen early. Probably she had thought in the middle of the night, Ah, it's time. Sometimes I think our own lives are watched over like that. Out of the mystery of the hours and the days, something says, Let's give this one a little trial. Let's, say, put a turtle in the road she's traveling on and in a hurry. Let's see how her life is measuring up, that lucky girl. So much happiness. So much good fortune. Ah, it's time. Understand, I am always trying to figure out what the soul is and where hidden and what shape. And so last week, when I found on the beach the ear bone of a pilot whale that may have died hundreds of years ago, I thought maybe I was close to discovering something. For the ear bone is the portion that lasts longest 
in any of us, woman or whale, shaped like a squat spoon with a pink scoop where, once in the lively swimmer's head, it joined its two sisters in the house of hearing. It was only two inches long, and I thought the soul might be like this, so hard, so necessary, yet almost nothing. Beside me, the gray sea was opening and shutting its wave doors, unfolding over and over its time-ridiculing roar. I looked, but I couldn't see anything through its dark-knit glare. Yet don't we all know the golden sand is there at the bottom, though our eyes have never seen it, nor can our hands ever catch it? Lest we would sift it down into fractions and facts, certainties, and what the soul is also, I believe I will never quite know, though I play at the edges of knowing. Truly I know our part is not knowing, but looking and touching and loving, which is the way I walked walked on softly through the pale pink morning light.
the sweetness of dogs. What do you say, Percy? I am thinking of sitting out on the sand to watch the moon rise. It's full tonight. So we go. And the moon rises so beautiful, it makes me shudder, makes me think about time and space, makes me take measure of myself, one iota, pondering heaven. Thus we sit, myself, thinking how grateful I am for the moon's perfect beauty, and also, oh, how rich it is to love the world. Percy, meanwhile, leans against me and gazes up into my face as though I, was, I were just as beautiful as the perfect moon. of her, I think of the long summer days. She lay in the sun, how she loved the sun, how we spread our blanket and friends came and the dogs played and then I would get restless and get up and go off to the woods and the fields and the afternoon would soften gradually and finally I would come home through the long shadows and into the house where she would be. My glorious welcoming, tan and hungry and ready to tell the hurtless gossips of the day and how I listened leisurely while I put around the room flowers in jars of water, daisies, butter and eggs, and everlasting until, like our lives, they trembled and shimmered everywhere. I looked up, and there it was, among the green branches of the pitch pines, thick bird, 
a ruffle of fire trailing over the shoulders and down the back. Color of copper, iron, bronze, lighting up the dark branches of the pine. What misery to be afraid of death. What wretchedness to believe only in what can be proven. When I made a little sound, it looked at me. Then it looked past me. Then it rose. The wings enormous and opulent and, as I said, wreathed in fire. you sisters for another hour well spent with women's liberation radio news i am phoenix and i was your dj this last hour and for other hours in the last few years and while i was in p-town with the spirit walking with the spirit of mary oliver last year i was given an extension to my spirit name so from here on I am Tamia Phoenix. Good to meet your acquaintance. I'm getting to know myself as Tamia. It's it's very lovely. Thank you again for tuning in this month to honor a most beloved lesbian poet, Mary Oliver, who has held, comforted, and inspired me and so many others with her words and experiences with spirit and with the earth. So catch you again next time. Thanks again. Blessed be.